0: Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Dios los bendiga a todos. God bless you. (laughs) Amen. I'm thankful to be here this evening in the house of the Lord. I love being in God's presence with God's people. Because where Jesus is, anything is possible. Amen? Amen. I always love another opportunity to gather together with his body and have the fellowship of the Spirit. Amen. I do want to say a quick thank you to your youth, young people, the youth group here at the church of Omaha. When we came into town, uh, Pastor Powell had mentioned that you were all doing a fundraiser there at Pizza Ranch, Move the Mission. I thought, well, I can kill two birds with one stone here. I can, one, eat a lot of pizza, and two, I can thank these young people for doing such an awesome job to help promote the gospel and promote revival that is taking place around the world. Amen. I remember my wife, Gia, and I, we served on the missions field for three years on the short-term missions program. Arrived in Spain, it was June 1st, 2017, working in one of the central churches in Barcelona underneath the leadership of our superintendents, the Herod family. But we began planning a daughter work in the city of El Prat, just to the south of Barcelona. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because I remember we would be in Barcelona Sunday mornings for service. We had, a, uh, we had a young man that would help us, and we would pack up the keyboard, put it in a box. We would grab the music stand. We would have our backpacks, all of the supplies and materials that we would need to have service at our daughter work in the city of El Pratt. We did not have a vehicle at the time. We had to use public transportation. So here I was with a keyboard on my shoulder, sometimes a music stand in my left hand, and we had our microphone and everything, and we would jump on the bus with that, and the people on the bus were just looking at us like, what in the world are you doing? Well, we knew what we were doing. We were moving the mission and so thank you the next time we go back we will receive a move the mission vehicle we won't have to pack all that stuff on public transportation we'll be able to put it on the back of a vehicle and so thank you for making the investment and working hard thank you brother and sister miller and for instilling that in your young people my wife and i we are very grateful amen also want to thank your pastor and his wife brother and sister powell great examples in our kingdom and the kingdom of god and I understand the superintendents here in Omaha and Nebraska. Thank you so much for your kindness, opening your doors to us and uh, everything you do for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen, amen. When my wife and I, when we arrived in Spain, it was June 1st and two, three, over four years ago now, and we began working there. And at the time, while we were planning that daughter work in the city of El Prat, the national work that God had given, the leadership of our nation The vision or the goal in Spanish, it's duplicarnos 2020, which in English means duplicate or double by 2020. And the goal was simply this, that within five years, each church would plant a daughter work, and we would thereby double the number of works in the nation of Spain before the end of the year 2020. And at the beginning of 2020, we were very excited. We were only 12 works shy of seeing that goal accomplished. Amen. And we thank God for that. And then 2020 happened. And we began to wonder, was that kind of a weird year or what? We began to wonder how in the world are we going to see accomplished what we believed God had given our leadership a vision to accomplish. But I'm excited to tell you, I believe this. When God calls his people to do anything for his kingdom, it's not contingent on the circumstances around us. It's not contingent on the obstacles in front of us. It's not contingent on our weaknesses or our perceived inferiorities. Because greater is he that lives inside of us than he that is inside the world. Amen. Amen. The only thing it's really contingent on is what thus saith. The word of god amen and so the whole nation we were we were we were we were trying to put faith behind what god had called us to do churches were starting groups in different neighborhoods and different cities we were broadcasting online when the government had shut down having services in person it didn't matter that they shut down services in person when we came back we only had 30 percent seating capacity however the pastors sent ministers to the homes of people that needed the Holy Ghost. And in the midst of that partial shutdown, there were over 67 souls that were filled with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The miracle was this, was many of them did not receive it in the church. Many of them received it at home while having someone pray for them, and they were listening to the word of God go forth, amen. You can't contain what God wants to do in a building, amen. You can't contain what God wants to do in a geographical area. What God wants to do in these last days, it's bigger than our programs. It's bigger than anything we can do with our own hands, amen. And before the end of that year, we did see those 12 works planted and established, amen. And within five years, we went from 47 works which was only one church for every million souls, to 94 works by the end of 2020. Amen. And we give God the glory and the honor for that. Amen. I believe right now it's the most exciting time to be a part of the apostolic church. I really do believe that. I believe what is happening in Europe right now is perhaps what is happening around the world in the apostolic church. And it's simply this. The Lord told his disciples, he said, I'm going to send you into fields to reap from where you did no planting. He said, I'm going to send you into the labors of others. Amen. And he, he told the, the Lord told the, told the children of Israel the exact same thing. When they were going into the promised land, he says, you're going to live in homes you did not build from. You're going to reap from vineyards that you did not plant. You're going to drink from wells that you did not dig. Amen. And so what I believe is happening right now, because, for example, in Europe, it was perhaps said for several years that the culture there was perhaps too cold or too hard to ever see apostolic revival. But the people of Europe, they are waking up to a spiritual hunger and thirst for the things of God. Many of them do not know how to articulate it because many of them have not felt it or seen it. But when they come in contact with it, they have a desire to figure out what this is. Amen. And and so what is happening right now, I believe, is that right before the coming of our Lord, right before the return of our king, we get to enter into the labors of others. Because generation after generation has went before us, whether it was in Europe or whether it was here in Nebraska. And they've they've tilled the ground with their prayers, with their personal investment with their time and their sacrifice and their resources, and before the coming of the Lord, I believe this generation, all of us who are here right now, amen, that we get to enter into the labors of those who have gone before us, amen. We get to step into the fruit of their prayers and the fruit and the consequences of their sacrifices, and I believe see the greatest revival that this world has ever seen, amen. How many of you are excited to be a part of the kingdom of God in this hour? Amen, amen. Before I go any further, my wife and I, we do have a video that we would like to share with you. Uh, just shares a little bit of what was going on in Spain, with, with a little bit of the work that is taking place there right now. You'll see the Central Church in Barcelona. You'll see uh, some of the Bible school students. You'll see some pictures of our national conference. You'll see some pictures of the living room that we started having services in there in El Prado. I remember we were meeting there on a weekly basis, having Bible studies in two or three different homes and in the parks as well. And finally, God opened a door for us to rent a building on a weekly basis. We would only rent it on Sundays, four hours every Sunday. And and I remember going into that building, God had to open the door for us to go in, go in to find a place to have services. And it was just a community center. It was like it was a party room. And there was a jungle gym in the corner my wife, if she's honest, she'd probably say, I didn't want us to go there. She thought we'd go to the conference room at the hotel. But the, there was no public transportation. that hardly went by the conference room at the hotel. So we had to look for a place that was central to downtown where public transportation passed by. And I remember one time in particular, we were on a Sunday morning service. I was preaching, and a kid somehow managed to get into the jungle gym that we had blocked off. And he slid into the ball pit while I was preaching. <laughs> and so I had to call the music team, hurry up, come up, and play some songs while I finish up my preaching so it's not distracting everybody, but little did we know God was orchestrating our steps, and I remember the first time we went in there, we met the owners of this building. It did not look like a church, but we had tremendous peace there, and the Bible says that we ought to seek peace. Everything that we do when we're doing something for his kingdom, we ought to seek peace, and I remember the owners, they, they, they opened their doors to us. They said, you can have this for four hours. Every Sunday gave us a good price for it for those four hours, and it was right downtown, And uh, after the pandemic, no one else was renting the building. And so these owners, they approached the new pastor who we had handed the work off to. He's a first-generation Spanish apostolic man. And they approached him. They said, look, no one else is renting this building. But we want to offer you a proposition. Well, you can have it 24-7. The only thing that we ask is that you pay $100 more a week and cover the utilities. You can put your sign out front. You can remodel it, you can do with it, whatever you want, and church, the miracle of this is is this building was right downtown it's right off the main drag where they call it Los, Los Romblas. Everyone that walks through that town down main street, all the buses that pass by there, they now have the past Los Pentecostales de El Prat. amen amen, so we, we give God glory for that, so you. You'll see that building there. You might see a sheet over the jungle gym that's kind of blocking off where we had services and everything. But what I want you to do is while you watch this video, I ask that you don't disconnect from the spirit, but pray for us. Pray that God give us the wisdom and the direction to continue to do what he has called us to do, to be good stewards of the favor that he has given us during this time. And uh, pray for the work in Spain. Pray for our pastors. Pray for our churches. And pray that God allow us to raise up leaders in that nation. Amen. people and country of Spain have captured our hearts. We began working in ministry in Spain under the short-term missions program in 2017, and were recently approved as fully appointed missionaries. Spain is a beautiful ancient place with culture that dates back to before Roman times. Even though many people have a long history connected with organized religion, it turns out that much of that history is based on tradition. We have seen that many have very little biblical knowledge, and few have a relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: Many of the churches now sit empty, and the people of Spain are looking for more. We have been asked two main questions. Do you believe in God, and can you see Him? The questions reveal the heart of the country, especially the younger generation. They are not just looking for religion, but they are looking for something real. Something that has the power to save, to deliver, heal, and restore. They want to see and experience something different. When they are exposed to the power of God, they desire to experience more.
0: We are excited to tell you that the United Pentecostal Church of Spain is experiencing a time of revival. Our focus throughout the churches is on home groups or life groups. Modeled after the early church in Acts, this is a time for neighbors, families, and co workers and friends to gather in homes and worship and explore God's Word together, taking the church into our neighborhoods to people who are hungry but hesitant to enter a church building. These growing home groups become the seeds for daughter works to be planted in another city or neighborhood. Paired with the Bible Institute, the groups will also provide a means for training and equipping leaders. Some would say this is very organic growth, and it is. We would also say it is apostolic. Like in the life of a man who was going through some very difficult circumstances, he was put in contact with his sister in our church and she began to witness to him over the phone. Hungry for more of God and truth, One Sunday morning, he drove five and a half hours from the city of Cuenca, where we have no church, to the city of Barcelona, where we were able to teach him a Bible study. During that Sunday morning service, he decided to be baptized in the precious name of Jesus. When he returned back to his home city, we put him in touch with a pastor friend in the city of Hitafe. This pastor went to visit him to further teach him the word of God in a city that, from what we know of, has never heard the Acts 2.38 message preached. This man sat and listened to the word of God expounded, but not only him, his father also. After hearing about Jesus and the wonderful hope of salvation, the father also asked to be baptized in the name of Jesus. There in the city of Cuenca, there was no church, there was no baptistry, but they had a backhoe. So this man and his son began to fill the bucket of that backhoe with water, where the father was buried with Christ in baptism and his sins were forever washed away.
1: they become an effective tool in the Kingdom. The Bible Institute helps equip Sunday School teachers, leaders, and pastors, just to name a few. The Bible Institute helps equip workers for the harvest. We must work while it is yet day, because night cometh when no man can work. We work so that God can give the increase.
0: Would you partner with us and with the revival in Spain? You can help send forth laborers into the field in Spain so cities like Cuenca can hear the truth. You can help by partnering and praying. Together, we will see revival and the development of leaders in the nation of Spain. I'm convinced that the people and country of Spain will capture your hearts as well. Amen. Can we, hey amen, we are thankful for all that God is doing in Spain right now. He has truly been faithful and uh, we are excited about the revival and the harvest that is taking place it is our desire to be good stewards of the favor that he's shown us and while we saw a doubling in the number of works during those five years we saw a 50 increase in licensed ministers so a doubling in works but Only a 50% increase in licensed ministers. And that presents a very distinct need there in the national work there in Spain. And now it's our turn to focus on training and the equipping of leaders and the development of our Bible school programs. Amen. And so right now the need we have could best be represented in what our Lord's one prayer request was when he looked at his disciples and he said, The harvest is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, which send forth, labors into his harvest. And so when my wife and I, when we return to the nation of Spain, yes, we'll be working to continue to see churches planted there uh specifically to the south of barcelona there were five cities there ten percent of the nation's population reside in the metropolitan area there and the five to the six cities to the south none of them had an apostolic church el pratt is the first one of those cities to have an apostolic church but while doing that we are going to be working alongside our national ministers to further develop our Bible school programs so that we can see pastors and leaders trained and equipped for the harvest. While we were working there in the city of El Prat, I had a good friend of mine. He was pastoring, playing a church in the southern part of Spain in the city of Malaga. And the last time I spoke to him on the phone, he says that he was teaching the Bible studies to groups in five different neighboring cities. And so right now we have a great need for laborers. And uh, everything you do for missions helps send us back to the field, to continue in that labor. And so we thank you. We thank you for everything you do for Move the Mission. We thank you for everything you do for Mother's Memorial, which helps send students to our Bible schools. For example, in our night classes in Barcelona, they come 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. after they get off work at night, Monday through Thursday. That's how passionate and dedicated they are about the harvest that is taking place there. Thank you for everything you do to partner with missionaries around the world. Coming here, we were only 26 partners away from from uh, getting back to the field in Spain after speaking with your pastor before service. We're only now 25 partners away. Thank you so much for partnering with us and helping us get back to the field in a quick fashion. I believe we're going to be returning here this fall, and we're very excited to get back to work. Amen, amen. amen. If we could all stand for the reading of the word, we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Be reading verses 3 through 6. I won't be very long this evening, but I believe what you're doing here in Omaha is the same thing that we're doing in Spain. We're really just working together in these last days, uh, trying to announce this gospel to everyone and to see a harvest of souls before the coming of our King. Amen? Amen. And so we're doing the same thing. We're working together in these last days, and it's my desire in the Holy Ghost that your faith will be quickened for the work that God has called us to do in this hour. Amen. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, if you have it, say amen. amen. It says this, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, that word epistle, it means letter. So you could read it like this. It's how it's read in the Spanish. For as much as you're manifestly declared to be the letter of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but rather with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. In such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, That's kind of bad news, it seems like, doesn't it? We're not sufficient of ourselves. What God wants to do in our churches, what he wants to do in our communities, what he wants to do in our ministries and our personal lives, it's beyond our talent. It's beyond our abilities. It's beyond anything that we can do with our own hands. It's beyond our personality. It's beyond all of those things. In fact, Paul here says, we are not sufficient of ourselves. I like hearing the bad news first because the good news is this. Our sufficiency is of God. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is enough. The blood of Jesus Christ is enough to wash away all sins. Amen. The name of Jesus has enough power and authority. Amen, amen. It is still enough. Amen. We're not sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Everyone say he's talking about me. If you've been born again of water and of spirit, if you've repented of your sins... If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have the power and the authority to announce this gospel. Amen. Amen. To be a minister of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. For just a few moments, I'd like to speak under this title, A Letter to a Lost World. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, my life, my testimony is a letter to a lost world. If we could raise our hands and pray right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everything they do for your kingdom, God. Lord, I pray right now, God, that the eyes of our faith be open, God, that every distraction, every hindrance be placed aside, God. Anoint your servant, Lord, that I might be able to transmit aptly what you have laid on my heart, God, that your will be done tonight here on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, and we give you all the glory and the honor for it. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. You may be seated. Paul here, he was writing to the Corinthian church, but indeed what he wrote here is every bit as applicable to us, the New Testament church today. And as he writes, he says that you and I, that we are very, declare, very clearly, manifestly declared to be the letters of Jesus Christ. I find that interesting because what is a letter? A letter is a message written down to communicate the mind, the purpose, or the plan of its author. We know that the Word of God does all those things, right? What you have right here, the inspired Word of God. It's God-breathed, if you will, like Paul said to Timothy. Every word is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness, for correction, for all those things. It leads us to eternal life. It leads us to salvation. When it comes to matters of eternity, when it comes to matters of the heart, my opinion really doesn't matter. Your opinion really doesn't matter. The only thing that really does matter is when we talk about salvation and eternity is not what I have to say about it, but rather what thus saith the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Here inside the Word of God, we have, we, we, we have the books of the Law of Moses. We have the poetic books, Psalms and Proverbs. We have all the books of the prophets. Amen? In the New Testament, we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that describe the life, death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have the book of Acts that describes the history of the New Testament church and gives us an example to follow. We have all the letters of the apostles, amen? There are 40 writers to the word of God, amen? There are not 40 authors. Rather, there are 40 writers. Because holy men of old spake or wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, amen? Every word is inspired by God. We believe that, amen, church? But while we have here the inspired Word of God, we also realize that we live in a culture, we live in a day and an hour where society is doing everything it can to deny this book. They're doing everything they can to undermine the authority of the Word of God, to deny it, to pretend that its truth does not exist. Amen. But while they can try to deny the books of the law, They can try to deny the gospels of Jesus Christ. They can try to deny the letters of the apostles. One thing they cannot deny is your testimony. They cannot deny the letters of Jesus Christ. They cannot deny the miraculous change that took place in your life when you were born again of water and of spirit. They can't deny the miraculous power of God at work in your life. Amen. We have here the word of God, but while we have the very word of God before us, Paul here in our text makes it clear that Jesus Christ, God manifest in flesh, never stopped corresponding with his creation. He never stopped reaching for a lost world. Amen. Now we have to understand that the spirit of God will never communicate anything contrary to his word, amen. Anytime you look in the Bible, his word and his spirit, they are used synonymously because when God declares something, it is as true as the fact that he exists, amen. Amen. But here, Paul here says, we are the letters of Jesus Christ. How could that be? Well, you see the testimony that God has given us, the change that was manifested in our lives at that moment of conversion. The law and the word that he wrote upon your heart when he filled you with his spirit. Our testimony, everyone say my testimony. It is a letter written by Christ to a lost world. It's evidence written upon the hearts of believers like you and I that indeed his mercy endures to every generation. That there is salvation from sin and that his spirit is still at work in the earth. Amen. I love hearing testimonies. I love hearing what my God can do. Why? Because it builds my faith. It dispels fear and unbelief. Amen. They might try to deny this book, but they cannot deny the letters of Jesus Christ. Amen. They cannot deny your testimony. You know what your testimony is like? It's like when you walk downtown somewhere or you walk through a park and you've seen where someone has taken out a knife and perhaps they've carved on the side of a tree on the side of a a wall somewhere, and they they carve a heart right there. And you see the words inside this heart, something like, Bob and Sally were here. Have any of you ever seen anything like that? Have any of you ever defaced public property and carved a message like that? (laughs) You can find repentance tonight. I've repented of it since then. It was over 10 years ago, but I was courting my wife. She was not my wife at the time, I was trying to convince her to become my wife. And there was a little footbridge in the park in Kokomo, Indiana. It was halfway between her town and my town. So we would meet there for dinner, and then we'd walk through the park, and there was a wooden bridge right there, and I took out my buck knife because I, I wanted her to see that I was a man. And so I, I carved a heart right there, and I carved Gina and Jared. Everyone say, "Oh, that's right. But why did I do that? Because I, I did it for memory's sake. So there was something carved out that we could remember that we were there. Now that wasn't really the right thing to do. I don't believe in defacing public property, but I'm using it for an illustration tonight, Pastor. Forgive me. But that's what your testimony's like. Because some of you remember who you were when you came to Christ. In fact, your neighbors remember. Your family members remember. Maybe they remember the addictions that you used to have that you don't have anymore. Or maybe they remember the infirmities that you used to struggle with that God healed you from. Or maybe they remember when your marriage and your house was on the rocks and everyone gave up hope on, but somehow God restored peace to your home. That's what your testimony is. It's like Jesus reaches down and he says, I was here and you can't deny it. Amen. It's a letter written to a lost world. Amen. I remember when I was a young man, it was perhaps the first testimony, I mean the first physical miracle that I'd ever seen. I don't really recall all the details that well, but I do remember this. I was attending a Christian school where we were attending church, and I remember uh, we had an instructor, I, and everyone liked her, everyone loved her, and she was one of the teachers there, and I remember in one of our chapel services, she came and she told all the staff, all the students, that she had been diagnosed with cancer. Well, I had read and heard that by His stripes we are healed, that he is Jehovah who forgives all of our iniquities and he heals us of all of our diseases. But up to this point in my life as a young man, I had never seen cancer healed. I wanted to believe it, but I had never seen it. And I remember this lady, she was telling all of us, all of us this. And I remember the staff and the students, we all gathered around. I was, a, I was a young man, I don't remember exactly, maybe 12 years old or so. But we all gathered around and we prayed for her. She goes back to, to her church. And, and the church and the pastor lay hands on her and pray the prayer of the faith. And the Bible says that the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. Amen. We believe that. And so they prayed over her and she goes back to the doctor. And the report was this the doctor says, There's scar tissue, but there is no cancer. Do you know what that's like? That's like Jesus reached down and said, I was here. And he wrote a letter to me as a young man. He wrote a letter to her doctor. He wrote a letter to this lady's family that he was at midst in her situation. And he knew her situation. He knew who she was. And no man could deny his presence in her life. That's what our testimony is like. It's a letter to a lost world. You see, every time Jesus saves someone from their sins, every time he heals somebody of their infirmities, Every time he delivers someone of their addictions, every time he restores a broken home, what he's doing is he is corresponding with his creation. He is writing a letter of hope to those who would put their faith in him. And church, the Bible says it's a living hope. It's a hope that will never make you ashamed, the Bible says. That means you can put your hope in the things of this world if you want to. You can put your hope in your own talents and abilities if you want to, but you will walk away ashamed. But every time you put your hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will never make you ashamed. Amen. Through your testimonies, church, he's telling those who are suffering with sickness and infirmity that by his stripes we are healed. Amen. He's telling those who are weary and worried with all the chaos that surrounds us today that the people of God still have a peace that passes all understanding. And we still have a joy that is our strength. Amen. We live in a day when the spirits of fear and strife and unbelief are seeking to stifle and suffocate the faith of so many. But church, it will be through your faithfulness. It will be through your testimony. Don't underestimate the power and the value of your testimony. Amen. John wrote like this, that in the last days, we would overcome the accuser of the brethren, the enemy of our souls. And how would we do it? We would do it, one, by the blood of the Lamb, and two, by the word of our testimony. Amen. Amen. Don't stop testifying. Don't stop announcing who he is. Don't stop talking about Jesus and what he can do in the lives of the lost. Amen. through your testimony, God is showing to a lost world that greater is he that is inside of us than any spirit that is at work in the earth. Amen. He's greater than the spirit of unbelief. He's greater than the spirit of false doctrine. He's greater than any spirit of addiction. He's greater than any spirit of infirmity. I wonder tonight how many of you could testify with an uplifted hand. If you know without a shadow of a doubt at one time or another that it wasn't anything that man could do, but you know that God miraculously healed your body. Will you raise your hand and testify right now? Church, look at those hands. Amen. How many of you could testify? That if when God filled you with his spirit, he delivered you from things you could not deliver yourself from. Will you raise your hands and testify right now, church? If he gave you a peace, a peace you couldn't find anywhere else, you couldn't find it in drugs, you couldn't find it in alcohol, you couldn't find it in a life of immorality, but if he gave you a peace, not as this world gives, but as he gives a peace that passes all understanding, will you raise your hands and testify right now? Every hand that is raised is a letter written by the Spirit of our Savior to the folks of Omaha, Nebraska, to the folks of Barcelona, Spain, that God still heals, that God still delivers, that God still restores, and that God still saves. John would light it like this in 1 John chapter 1. He would say, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, we have seen it with our own eyes, We've looked upon him, our hands have handled the very word of life. Verse 2 says this, for that life was manifested. He was talking about Jesus Christ. He was talking about the word incarnate. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. We saw him. John is saying, we've seen him. We've handled him. Our eyes have beheld him. And his life was manifested. We show unto you that eternal life, if you go to the next verse, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you that your fellowship might be with us. Amen. So what was John saying? He was saying we we saw the stripes on his back. We saw the beating that he took. We saw him crucified. We saw him buried for three days, but we saw him rise again three days later. He was saying that life was manifested to us. How many of you could say that life was manifested to you when he filled you with his peace, when he filled you with his joy, when he filled you with his deliverance, amen? And our job as the apostolic church in this hour is simply this, to announce that which we have seen and that which we have heard, amen, amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Says this, but you are a chosen generation. Everyone say a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? Why does God cleanse us? Why does He wash us? Why does He allow us to become a part of His body and His church? We know it's one to give us salvation and eternal life. But Peter says here it's something more as well, that you might show forth the praises. In the Spanish, it says something different says Annuncias las virtudes, which means to announce the virtues of him who called you out of the despair and the bondage and the darkness of your sin. And he brought you into that marvelous peace and joy and liberty and light of his gospel. But to announce his virtues. What's that mean, church? That means if he's ever healed your body, you ought to tell that co-worker who has no hope that God is a healer. Amen, amen. If he's ever delivered you of anything, you ought to tell that drug addict that everyone passes every day and everyone's given up hope on them a long time ago, that the spirit of the living God can break every chain of addiction. Amen. If he restored your home or your marriage, you ought to tell a lost world that there's nothing too far gone and nothing too broken that God can't heal and that God can't restore. But church, he has called us to this hour not to be quiet, not to be sidelined, not to hide in corner. Order, but to announce His virtues, because we are a letter to a lost world. Amen. I'm coming to a close if the music can come. You have a testimony that someone is waiting to hear. Your life is a letter that someone is waiting to read. Whether you grew up in this thing or you just came in last week, God has given you a testimony. I remember as a young person, I was going off to college, just graduated high school. And I remember, I don't know if it was my flesh, pastor, I don't know if it was the enemy. But I had this thought come to my mind. You know, I can, I can go out in the world, and I can try everything that the world has to offer. I can always come back. God can always give me a testimony. That's true, he can't. His arm is not short that it cannot reach, and his ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. He can always bring you back, but the problem is this, when you go out there, sometimes you might believe a lie from the enemy. That spirit of condemnation might come to you and say, you know what, you'll never be able to make your way back. It's a lie from the enemy. But the second lie is this, that somehow the testimony that God can keep you in this day and this hour is less beautiful of a testimony that God can pull you out of the miry clay. Because his power to keep is just as strong as his power to save. It's important to understand that. That God didn't just save us, just leave us. But he saved us and filled us with his spirit that he might empower us. You have a testimony, church. You have a testimony, young people. Whether you grew up in this thing or you're you're brand new to it. God's writing a letter in your life. My wife mentioned it in the video. She said this. He says, there's two questions that have been asked of us. I remember both times. It happened in two different instances. It it was very vivid in my mind. I can't really forget about it. It motivates what we do in Spain. Because one time we were teaching in the park, teaching a Bible study. We didn't have a building yet in Oprah, So we were gathering in the park when the weather was nice. And I remember as we're teaching, there's a gentleman, Spaniard. He's, He's not too far off, but I can tell he's listening to us. He came up to us afterwards and he looked at me and he said, he said, do you believe in God? It was like he was shocked. I said, yes, sir, I believe in God. Because the only thing that he had seen was what it was like to walk into a cathedral more beautiful than I could ever build. But the only thing he heard there was the echo of his own voice. There was no power to heal, no power to deliver, no power to restore, no power to save. And his next question was this. Dios se puede ver, which literally translated means, can God be seen? A couple months later, I'm on the train. I'm coming back from Madrid to Barcelona and I'm sitting next to a man from the Basque region of Spain. It's the most atheistic part of Spain. I know the pastors there. I know the battles that they have to deal with. I've talked to them. This gentleman, he's sitting next to me and he looks at me as we're talking. He says, you believe in God? I said, yes, sir. I believe in God. He had the same surprised look on his face. Then he asked the same question again, dios se puede ver, which means can God be seen? Because what they were asking is what much of our world is asking right now. If you believe in God, I want you to tell me why you believe in something you cannot see. Church, I've never seen Jesus face to face. That day's coming very soon. I'm looking forward to that day. John says, we know not yet what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That day's coming very soon, but in the meantime, while I've never seen him face to face, I've read his letters. I could tell you of testimonies where I've seen families that were out of control. It looked like there was no hope. Maybe it was addiction, maybe it was sin, maybe it was anything. But when God filled them with the Holy Ghost, they were new creatures in Christ. All things were passed away and behold, all things become new. I've seen him heal, I've seen him deliver, I've seen him restore. I have read his letters. And so when they asked me, why do you believe in something you cannot see? I believe it because I've seen him. I've seen him at work in the earth. I've seen him at work at lives of people like you and I. If we could all stand, it was the last gentleman that I had coffee with right before I came back from Spain. We had tried for a year and a half to reach this man. I talked to him and his wife. We had taught Bible studies. He would only come because she came, because she received the Holy Ghost as a child in a different country and. She had married a Spaniard and Catalan man, and, and, and he came because when they got married, she says, we need to find a church. And they came in, and she would raise her hand, service after service, and God would move in her midst. God would move in the midst of their life, and God would refill her time and time again. But every time, he would stand there motionless, stand there with his hands folded. You could tell he did not want to be there. He was very kind outside of church, but inside the church, he was very reserved, very closed off, very cold. I remember one time i went up to him and i asked him i said brother can i pray with you that god can help you with whatever you're going through he looked at me he said pastor i appreciate it but i do not believe but through a series of events, Bible says as faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god he kept coming with his wife and even though he said he did not believe and for all intents and purposes he was an atheist every time that the word of god would go forth i believe seeds of faith were planted that would sometime bear fruit Church, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Don't stop preaching this gospel. Don't stop testifying. Don't stop announcing his virtues. Because I remember after a year and a half, we're sitting there, we're having coffee across the street from the church, and he looks at me, this atheist, and he says, Pastor, I have to tell you something. The people inside that church, he said, there's a goodness about them. He had traveled the world for work, but he said, there's a goodness about them. You don't just find it anywhere else. He says, I've never found it anywhere else. It was on the day of pentecost this past year he called me at six o'clock in the morning it was on video it was a video call so i had to hurry up and get dressed because he was calling me at six o'clock in the morning my wife and i so that we could see him and his wife make their way to the church to be baptized in the precious name of jesus <laughs> don't underestimate the power of your testimony don't underestimate the value of it it's a letter written to a lost world it's a letter written to the atheist It's written to the drug addict, it's written to the alcoholic, it's written to everyone. It's even written to those they don't think they need him, but they do. The Holy Ghost is here this evening. If we could all raise our hands. Lord, I thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the moving of your spirit. I thank you for manifesting that life in our midst, God. I pray right now, God, that, 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 that faith be imparted. God, help us to realize that if we simply announce your virtues, if we simply live a life that is obedient to your word and your spirit, if we open up our mouths and testify of who you are, you will confirm your word with signs following. Help us today to feel the urgency of the hour that we are living in, the letters that we have to carry to Omaha, the letters that we had to carry to Spain. Empower your church one more time, Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus, if you could raise your hands where you're at right now as they sing, I believe God can move in your midst. I believe that Jesus is still writing letters. I believe that Jesus is still giving testimonies. Whatever your need is, I believe he can meet you where you're at right now. He can fill you with the spirit. There's no one like him. Hallelujah,
1: Jesus. I trust you tonight, God. We give you the glory, God.
0: We give you the honor, Lord. We surrender everything to you, Lord. Every circumstance, every fear, Lord, every doubt, God, we give everything to you. Use us as your vessels. Help us to be a living testimony, a living
1: act, a living letter, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.